0: Workers' Comp Matters, the podcast dedicated to the laws, the landmark cases, and the people that make up the diverse world of workers' compensation. Here are your hosts, Judd and Alan Pierce. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Workers' Comp Matters. My name is Judd Pierce. I'm an attorney at the law firm of Pierce, Pierce & Palatano in Salem, Massachusetts. And today we are bringing you a special edition of the show. We are not featuring as a guest on the show, an attorney, but we are featuring a professional actor. Yes, a lot of people say that acting and the law share some similarities, and it's something that I've espoused in my life being a semi-amateur actor, someone who's waiting for that big break but passing the time during the days, either at my desk or in the courtroom, and I've seen actors who have become lawyers. I've seen actors who are also judges. There has to be some sort of brotherly or sisterly love between the two professions. And today we are blessed to have someone who knows quite well uh, what it is I'm trying to talk about. Her name is Rachel Baylett, and she is a professional actor. She is a teacher. And she is very familiar with teaching all those lawyers and people who like the law and even other people in other professions about acting and what it can mean to their lives. Rachel, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be
0: here. Give us a little bit of background about who you are, the training that you have uh, espoused.
1: Absolutely. Well, I am Boston-born, and I studied journalism in school, and decided that it would be a lot more fun to be an actress. So I headed out to La La Land, and I began my training decades ago. Along the way, <laughs> and the journey, uh, you know, is really almost mythical where it takes you, oh, the places you go. I was mentored to be an acting teacher at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. I was first a student here and then mentored by Lee's son, David Lee Strasberg. And it was really a natural fit. So I have been teaching acting since 2012 here, perhaps even a little bit earlier, assisting teachers. And I teach a very special technique also known as method acting. And I've taken that work way outside of the classroom, as far as I can go, (laughs) to test it out. And to my happiness, I found that it is a way of communication, not just on set and on stage. It's a way that human beings can relate to each other. So I've had the great joy of teaching in museums and teaching in animation studios. And also teaching elected officials. So a lot of my emphasis has been on candidates and elected officials since 2016. And I've had an incredible experience training lawyers. I began that work about six or seven years ago with an organization called Trial by Human.
0: Yeah, interesting that you talk about that. And it's also on your website. I'll start with my class that I took with you just not too long ago. I found it fascinating. the the idea of, yeah, exercising your voice, exercising your body before any sort of performance is really one of the keys to making your story hit the sky. And and that's what you want, right? You're telling a story as an attorney, you're telling a story certainly as an actor, and you want to hit the audience on a level that they can actually grasp it And not zone out and and get tired with, right?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, for me, it's heart to heart communication. So when you talk about the body, that's where our preparation begins. Like an athlete or a musician, there's a warm-up. And so why not have a warm-up for speakers? (laughs) And so what you experienced and did so well, I must say, in my class is checks coming. <laughs> Great! Thank you very much. Uh, is <laughs> Is to begin to open up the body and change habits. So, wow! Imagine that I'm going to change my anatomy. I'm going to change the way I think and feel about my body and tension. And so to restructure oneself in order to be able to communicate, we really need to get into some authenticity. And so the training that you went through, what we call in the chair, has been taught since the turn of the century. First with Stanislavski in the Moscow Art Theater, and then here uh, in the United States by Lee Strasberg. And the work is very uh, systematic. It's something you can do at home. We start it really slow in the chair, going through the body and identifying tension and then releasing it. And in its place, the gift is new energy. And so everything that might feel deadened by life or by society telling you how to look, how to move, we, we remove all of that. So a new habit can come in, which is one of freedom, authenticity. And once we can remove that, the body is free to express, which takes away that awful tightening that one can get in front of an audience, that awful, you know, those butterflies and tensing up and the face gets tight and the mask is on and we wanna take all that away so we can really see you. And so the people that you're talking to can relate to you. But if you're bound up by nerves, there's no way they can get through and you can come out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was in um, a course just this past weekend about audition techniques. And the goal there was trying to free yourself up so not to get so tight during the audition process that the director, whoever is hoping you're hoping will cast you, sees the real you. Right. It doesn't see like the stressed out you. And because that could be an entire you you can't really take on the role for your client without being open to, well, new ideas and new feelings and whatnot. In other words, it's about knowing yourself better. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: It absolutely is. I always say I introduce people to themselves And we don't know many parts of ourselves and we haven't had the luxury to even do that because Mm -hmm. we live in such a fast technological world. So part of the work we do is also training the concentration as you do the relaxation so that you can really focus no matter how many people you're in front of. But what you said about opening up, you know, to your clients and really seeing them means you have to get your stuff out of the way. And that kind of openness is something you can train. All of this is trainable. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting for anyone listening, that these skills you can learn in, in in a rather short amount of time, if you put your attention to it. But it's about finding your humanity, and seeing other people's and taking in theirs and finding a common language in a very divisive world.
0: Absolutely. Why don't we just take this moment uh, to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Marist Case is the number one law practice management solution tailor-made for workers' compensation firms. Streamline your practice with Marist Case's easy to use, all-in-one platform. You're empowered to breeze through case and document management, workers' compensation forms, e-filing, calendaring, and invoicing. Learn how MerisCase can increase your firm's efficiency today. Visit MarisCase.com. That's M-E-R-U-S-C-A-S-E.com. And we're back with our special guest, Rachel Baylett. Rachel, again, thank you so much for the course this summer. I really encourage all the listeners out there, uh, all of my colleagues in the law, To look into this because, you know, in law school, we're we're taught how to read a lot (laughs) and how to write in a different and particular style. And actors are also taught a technique. Having a technique is as important for lawyers as it is for actors. So, you know, you mentioned method acting as a technique and that it stems from Russia about a hundred years ago or so. Tell us a little bit more about the history of method and what it can can provide all of us lawyers today.
1: Sure thing. So our method is based upon a man named Konstantin Stanislavski's system. It was called the system at the turn of the century. And so all American acting is inspired by this technique. And Stanislavski had a company called the Moscow Art Theater, and they came to New York in the 20s. And at that time, you know, post-war, uh, everyone was, was happy and joyful, and, and the theater didn't have as much substance. They were big, broad musicals, and there was no training, really. There was diction and movement, but you know, really no actor training. And so they took the theatrical world by surprise in their naturalism, in their ensemble work, which created ensemble theater as we know it today, and in their technique— Everyone had a sense of authenticity and honesty and creativity. And so Lee Strasberg was able to see them. And so he got together with a man named Harold Klerman and Cheryl Crawford, and they created the group theater. Now, one thing I left off is that two people stayed behind from the Moscow Art Theater, Richard Boleslavsky, a famous actor, director, and Maria Uskonspaya, and they created a school. And so Lee Strasberg went there, as well as Stella Adler, who's another big acting teacher. And so that was the first of its kind of Stanislavsky's training here in the U.S. So... Lee Strasberg was inspired. Like I said, he joined up with these two people and created what was called the Group Theater, the most famous theater company in America. And they, they believe it or not, formed during the Depression. Wow. And their idea was to create theater that talked to the people, that talked mm-hmm. to the, the, the times of their lives. And those were pretty awful times, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough money, people were hungry. And they wanted their plays to look like America at that time. And in order to do that, they needed a technique that could embody that naturalism. And so Lee Strasberg, they took 27 actors and he trained those actors. And within that group were legendary teachers like Robert Lewis, Sanford Meisner, Stella Adler, and famous actors. And so they, they were around for 10 years. Lee left in that time. He took over the actor's studio. And then he went on to open up the two uh, institutes. We have one in LA and one in New York. So that is an abbreviated version. But so in that generation, you know, we got the early method actors, Montgomery, Cliff, John Garfield, and then we got the Marlon Brando's, Marilyn Monroe, James Dean generation. And then the next generation, the Al Pacino, Ellen Burstyn, Jane Fonda, um, Robert De Niro. So it Mm -hmm. came in waves and that's also when when, you know, film came out in in television, and so the whole world was affected by this technique, which came from authenticity and naturalism. People don't even realize it. It just progressed like with mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. This acting technique. Which began around the world. It's it's pretty incredible. They were all immigrants. The people who started the um, the group theater, not all of them, but a lot of them. And so it's it's a it's a beautiful story. How you can you can talk something into existence. You can dream something into existence. And so now the acting we're doing in America is all based on. The system based on the method, everything we do today. And I believe that that's spilled into communication. The way we talk to one another also is less formal, is more connected, more emotionally truthful.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly people who are, you know, watching TV or watching a movie can tell if they're watching something that has some believable acting in it. Um, they mm-hmm. relate to it in a way that that maybe some other actors or plays or, or movies don't hit the, the the same mark because it's um, I don't know I, I don't know if I want to call it manufactured or performative but sure. it's, the Absolutely. authentic the authentic mm-hmm. is really something that binds. How is that how, okay? So so if that's the if that's the way that we've been viewing entertainment, how can we import that into our professional lives? As counselors, I would say start it like this, perhaps, the, with To Kill a Mockingbird and Atticus Finch saying, "You have to stand in that other person's shoes." Is what I'm thinking this is all about, right? Taking yes. your client as you find them, and and you know stand in her shoes, right? And 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 then you're going to be able to present her story in the in the most effective way
1: hundred mm-hmm, percent. And to be able to have the words to relate your client's story. Mm-hmm. And that involves the second piece of our work, which is sensory, sense memory. So all mm-hmm. of our memories coming through our senses first. And so we use a sensorial language that helps people to feel and identify within the story. So using the five senses, we train with imaginary objects to actually experience. So in our language, a commonplace language would be visualization, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see the beach. I'm going to smell the flower the person picked up. You know, we can walk through sensorily. But what we do in our work is to really go with, with, personal memory, we call it personalization, and to connect in with that person's experience. So first, you could do it as the lawyer. How do I understand this? When have I ever experienced something like this? And find that common language and even share that with your client. And then when you're telling your client's story, there are ways to pull in a judge, a jury, by, by, and I don't mean that in a manipulative way, not pull in, but share an experience. We call it experiencing. Mm-hmm. There's a way to take someone on that experience with you through the senses, taking someone like it's happening in the moment, right? like it did to that person. And so I find that the lawyer needs to go there, not just tell the story like a third person, but really experience it themselves And there's something very universal about being specific. The more specific you are, the more uh, you will take me on your journey with you. And so using that sensorial language combined with the relaxed instrument is really the recipe for powerful communication.
0: We don't present just on the papers ordinarily. And I'm, I'm speaking for lawyers in other states, too. I'm sure they have this experience. We're before judges, real people, hopefully not over computers, but in, in in person. And for us to convey something differently than just on our papers is vital, right? I mean, we can submit briefs and close written closing arguments, but to speak and to ask questions of your experts or even ask questions of your lay witnesses, if you get emotional feeling it, then you can probably be sure that the others who are listening to you, might be feeling that same thing too, which is what I you want. agree. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree for you to feel it first and understand that that judge and those people are human beings too. That's what we share, that human mm-hmm. experience. And most likely they will have experienced what you're talking about if you dare to be brave and bold and go there. Also, another thing, tool to practice is improvisation. Mm-hmm. So... You don't have to stick to your script, that you can be inspired with what's actually taking place right in front of you and what we call working off the other person and acting.
0: And that is where I want to uh, give sort of that big market podcast tease and take another short break for a moment from our sponsors. And we'll uh, talk about a couple of tips for the trade with our special guest today, Rachel Baylet, when we're right back. Mention Legal Talk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law, And we're back with our special guest today, Rachel Baylett. Rachel, we were talking before the break about um, just a couple of tips that we can take with us into the courtroom. Um, and one of the things that I remembered from your class this summer was um, getting off book <laughs> as soon as you can. Because if once you get your eyes out of your page, whether it's your yellowed legal notepad of, with questions, and you can make eye contact, then something special happens. Could you tell us a little bit more about getting off book and for the lawyer?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yes. I feel very strongly about that. There's no way to be 100% in the moment and connecting if your face is in a page. So it is a skill that you can practice holding a page and learning how to go back and forth. So I like to think of it that you already know what you're going to say, but you're just going down to get that confirmation. But it's a fluid line of thought. So obviously memorizing is best. I know sometimes there's not time for that. And so that improvisational skill will really help you. Mm -hmm. It will help you to, first of all, have confidence and faith that you will be able to do that. But it'll also help you to practice this. Mm -hmm. And so before you go in to improvise with yourself in the car, to talk about what you want to say, to not judge yourself like there's right and wrong. And if you go off course... You'll find your way back if your heart is in it and you know what you want. So in acting, we talk about our wants, our needs, our intention. If that's really clear and that's connected to heart and connected to your client's heart and your purpose, then you can go anywhere as long as you know what's important.
0: Would you say that partly we have to break old habits that might be, I don't know, tells or crutches, or do we not... Want to do that to ourselves because those are learned behaviors over years and years and years, and it would be almost impossible to tell ourselves or force ourselves not to do those things. But we have to be mindful of them, right? In so as to not distract and not prevent ourselves from getting the story out. I'm thinking about you know pacing back and forth or you know doing a certain uh, gesture with your hands. You know yes. how do you how I- do you control those tells?
1: Okay, so that's in the relaxation and that's really, if you can work with a coach one-on-one or in a small class like we had, that I will be able to see those things, especially Mm -hmm. in person. I will be able to look at that and ask, you know, what's there? If someone has too much energy congested in one area, then they're going to tap their foot, right? And we want to take that up and express that. And so I think once you're sure of yourself, you don't need to pace. You can plant yourself comfortably, and that also means relaxed legs. And I do feel like that could be distracting, and it's never too late to change a habit. It requires a lot of focus and intention, but it does become psychological as to why you're doing these things mm-hmm. and, and what, how they're serving you. And so I see that a lot with actors. I see people that blink their eyes. I see people that move their face. And so over time, with attention to that, you can release that energy in that area. And we want to take that and put it into the word itself.
0: Yeah, that's the essence is we're communicating with our words. um, And we don't want to take away from that with with any, you know, movements that... uh, be distracting.
1: but you do want the the body to be alive. there's no yeah. doubt you that's why we energize. I mean the body moves when we mm-hmm. express. So it's a fine line between mm-hmm. what's habit and what's creative expression and in acting we always say what are you creating? So I think the thing to work on is what's your intention and how is that coming through the body? So some consultants might tell you how to hold your hands, but I believe the hand is an outlet for what's happening inside. And it's powerful what you do with the hand, but it's connected to something inside.
0: Mm. It's
1: not because you're tense and you don't know what to do with them. It's part of the message.
0: Yeah. Take this for example. I've been told in acting training that to close off the arms, you know, Across your chest like this, something that I see lawyers do a lot. I do it. It's closing yourself off in stage. They, you know, we want to keep our hands by our sides. Is that something that you would instruct lawyers to watch out for as well? Just don't close yourself off. I would. The
1: hands can be anywhere, but a closed off body is one that's crossed or legs are crossed. Mm -hmm. and, And to stay open when you change your position, if anyone wants to try this right now, listening in your chair to something that would be really comfortable, like you're watching TV or opening up the body. The body is at ease, the spirit's at ease, the mind's at ease, and authenticity can come through. And when you're rigid like that, it's very hard
0: what is your favorite lawyer movie, not to put you on the spot or anything, but I know that law has been talked about in plays dating back to the earliest plays in Western civilization you know Shakespeare you know the Bard meets Black's Law what you've probably seen some lawyer TV or film or I maybe have, you've even acted I have. in some
1: well, I don't have a shining example of a perfect lawyer, but I <laughs> have been watching Your Honor with Brian Cranston, and that's oh. rather horrifying. Um, he is an incredible lawyer at the beginning of the movie, and he's really involved and invested in his cases. Mm-hmm. And Then his son gets involved in a crime, which he doesn't mean to do, and <laughs> you see how... He uh, is on a downhill slope. So that's an interesting character. He's a judge, actually. You know what? He's a judge. That doesn't count. That doesn't count.
0: I thought for sure you would have said the verdict with Paul Newman.
1: Oh, the verdict's excellent. The verdict is excellent. Just from
0: us being from Boston, right? And And
1: he's a method actor.
0: Exactly. He was in the class. Mm
1: -hmm. And he
0: was in the class early on with like Marilyn Monroe and James Dean and...
1: He was. He was with all the greats. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're right. That's an excellent movie. So I think it's interesting to see shows like Your Honor, which is about a judge, but to see, see someone who's not perfect. And see, I always tell my students when you're playing a lawyer, <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to do a cliche performance. Lawyers have complicated lives, right? Lawyers can be very eccentric, And so you can get stuck in a trap if you're playing a doctor or a lawyer and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So that's all the more reason, right, Judson, why we have to have training to be authentic so we're not a cardboard cutout of a lawyer, right? (laughs) Like, bring your personality in.
0: Absolutely.
1: Bring it in. It's welcome. I mean, I would imagine that it would be refreshing for a judge to have someone that has a sense of humor and that can warm up the script, as I like to say it, warm Mm. up your speech. Like, you have to take those words and lift them off the page and bring them to life so everything becomes 3D.
0: Yeah, this is such an important part of our humanity and something that we probably enjoyed throughout our lives in terms of just watching for entertainment, good actors, and not realizing how much of it fits into our own lives and how much... Uh, more effective we could be as advocates for our clients if we just implement a few of your techniques and see isn't that
1: the most important thing right Right. to be more effective for your client I mean that's where it has to come from Mm -hmm. you know I want to serve them better and in my work with lawyers we practice that we practice doing voie d'oeuvre, we practice doing um, jury selection, we practice doing uh, interviews with clients, we practice a lot of aspects of law. And when I train politicians, it's the same thing. I don't just train them to give stump speeches. I train them to do door-to-door canvassing, to talk to constituents on the phone. There's so many aspects of what we do. Yeah. And so once you get the skill, you'll imbue everything you do with it. And I think you'll enjoy your work more. When you get to show up, you get to be a part of it, not an idea of what you
0: think people want. People say that the law is a lot of practice, right? That's why we're called practicing attorneys. And the same is true for for actors, right? It's, it's all about practice to get to freedom, to get to just being more of yourself and freeing all of the, as you said, all of the stuff that's been weighing you down that's been put on you or that you've claimed yourself from life and and getting getting away from that for a second and just getting to the real you that's going to just oh it, it gives me chills because it, it was really <laughs> that kind of a course for me this summer. And where can people find you, Rachel, to to talk with you or hear more about this? Where where can people oh, contact sure. you and find you?
1: OK, so I have a website. It is um, Rachel Baylit Teaching, R-A-C-H-E-L-B-A-I-L-I-T teaching dot com. And you can reach me there. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and all those fun places. And I love Mm -hmm. to have conversations with people and I'm happy if anyone has any follow-up questions. And I do teach East and West Coast. So Judson, we met through Boston Casting. I teach virtual classes. They're small and I have non-actors in those classes. And I also teach at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute as well. And I do do private coaching. So if if that's if you want private coaching, and you feel more comfortable doing that. Uh, I'm open to that. I have taught lawyers in groups. I don't have anything scheduled at the moment, but there's always the potential for that.
0: I can recommend group training because it is about losing your inhibitions in a way and, and feeling comfortable doing these exercises in front of others uh, that loosens you up. I certainly felt very strange doing some of these vocal exercises and movement exercises. But, you know, I got to know my my fellow classmates after a little while, and then we all sort of forgot that we were looking at one another. We weren't looking at each other. That's my point. We, we stopped being self-conscious, and we could really focus on what you were trying to tell us in terms of movement. It, it was great to, to get over that hump.
1: I'm so glad. Yeah, we call that public solitude. And it's very (laughs) important to be able to concentrate like that and to be aware of other people, but you're concentrating on what you're doing. And those sounds you mentioned for anyone listening, um, we train impulse to expression. So while we open up the body, any impulses you have, we want you to either put them into a sound or speak them out. Because so often in life, we, you know, Push that impulse down and don't express it, and it might be one that's really worthwhile for you to say to express. And so it's like a muscle that we train.
0: Wow, this has been a fascinating discussion. I would love to have you back on. Any I appreciate you so much for coming on and telling us <laughs> a little you. bit about your story and what you do. Everyone, it's Rachel Baylet. Um, she works basically with the son of the guy who brought this all to us um, you know going back to uh, you know 100 years ago and how this has infused all of our entertainment watching but just the curiosity of wanting to become more authentic in our lives is you, you've got to check her out and go to our website and uh, thank you again Rachel for being here
1: thank you what a pleasure I wish the best to everyone listening
0: well for everyone listening I appreciate you thanks for coming on and listening to another episode of workers comp matters until next time This is Judd Pierce, and make it a day that matters.